How are y'all doing? Good, good to hear. This is an exciting Sunday, as I said, the parental dedication. We're really excited for this. And um, what a fitting song we just sang about surrendering um, all to Jesus. And, um, you know, surrender has a lot to do about what I want to talk about today, just for a few moments before we get into the dedication. Um, I want to take a few minutes and just talk to us about greatness, okay? I want to talk to us about greatness. You see, the truth is we live in a world that seeks after and celebrates greatness, right? You just have to look up at Budweiser Gardens, the old JLC this week to look at that, right? Celebrating the greatness of these skaters on the ice, awarding world championship prizes, you know, naming them the greatest skaters, at least for the moment. See, because that's the thing. The only problem with greatness in our world is that it's often a fleeting thing. Here one moment, gone the next, right? Um, The feelings, the rush of greatness, it fades. It doesn't last I, I, was, I did a little research this week. This was the extent of my research. I'm not claiming complete accuracy with this research. I just Googled everything. Um, but I wanted to look, us back, uh, look back 50 years, okay? So it's the year 1963, okay? And find some great things from 1963, 50 years ago. Um, in the world of music, okay? The Four Seasons, Walk Like a Man, was the greatest selling single of that year. Today... 2013, Bruno Mars's When I Was Your Man, so far, is the, 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 the greatest selling single so far this year. In the world of entertainment, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds was the greatest grossing movie in 1963. Okay? So far in 2013, Identity Thief. Okay? Doesn't even come close to last year's The Avengers, and it probably won't be there by the end of the year, but in the short of 2013, identity theft takes top spot. In the world of sports, the greatness in the world of sports, the Los Angeles Dodgers claimed the World Series in 1963 behind the pitching of Sandy Koufax. Of course, this year, the season hasn't even started, but many, uh, including Shirley Ella, are thinking it's going to be the revamped Blue Jays, right? (laughs) We'll see. Only time will tell. Uh, In the world of uh, the automotive world, okay, in 1963, the number one selling car was the Chevy Impala, okay? So far in 2013, a surprise, it's been a short 2013 so far, the Hyundai Elantra is the number one selling car so far this year. Many project the Honda Civic will once again take over, okay? Um, And this one's interesting. In the world of gadgets and uh, inventions, the Kodak Instamatic Camera was invented and was a huge deal in 1963, you could get your very own flash bulb, which attached to the top, okay? Of course, in 2013, we have the iPhone 5, phone, camera, personal organizer, and in some case, significant other for people, okay? With over three, uh, sorry, over three quarters of a million apps available, there's an app for that, has become a saying in our world. Change, greatness changes all the time. Just over the last 50 years, how much change in greatness has happened. Imagine 50 years from now, 2063, okay? 50 years from now, what new things will the world have experienced? What new great things will the world have experienced? What great music, performances, products of today will simply be outdated greatness in 2063, So my question this morning is, what if, what if our world could get a hold of a greatness that truly lasts? 
what if we could find for our lives a greatness that truly lasts? I want to read from Matthew chapter 18, the first six verses today. And I'm just going to spend a short time. I'm going to blow through this passage. Um, but uh, I think we have some things we can learn from it this morning as it pertains to our dedication today. Okay? Um, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Um, about that time, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. And then he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. You see, in this passage, what Jesus' disciples are asking and what they're seeking is a greatness that lasts. They come to Jesus one day and they say, in the kingdom of heaven, right? In the kingdom of heaven, in eternal things, what really matters? What is the measure of greatness in God's kingdom? Who will be the greatest? And in response, Jesus does something completely unexpected. He brings a child before them. A child. Now, we don't know how old this child was. Some translations say a small child. But he brings a child. And I'm sure this would have shocked the disciples. What's he doing? What? Didn't even say anything, right? Just brings a child, places it before them. But I don't think Jesus does it to ridicule them, right? I don't think Jesus brings a child to say, you're being so childish, disciples. Why are you asking this question, right? I don't think he does it to ridicule them. I don't think he does it to discourage them. Right? He doesn't say, all oh, you bad disciples, why are you arguing about who's the greatest? Have you learned nothing yet? Right? In fact, I find it interesting to note that Jesus never says to them that the question of greatness is unimportant. But what does he do? He brings a small child into the equation, places it before his disciples, and he says, I will teach you about a greatness that will last so let's turn to the passage uh, and let's see how Jesus answers this question. How do you find a greatness for your life that truly lasts? Well, first, I think Jesus says you need to head in the right direction. Your life needs to be moving in the right direction. Okay? I tell you the truth, Jesus says, unless you turn from your sins. This is gospel 101. You want to have a great life? First, you need to turn from sin. Okay? Now, sin is something that is badly maligned and often misinformed in our world today. A lot of people associate it simply with the moral code, right? A really long list of things that you should not do. At least don't do many of them and don't do them often, right? As long as you stay within the bounds. I, um, growing up in Kenya, I remember a billboard that I saw um, when we were driving in the city of Nairobi. And uh, I think it aptly illustrates our human condition. It was, it was a billboard that was designed to um, increase road safety in the city. And it had um, just huge letters on it that said, please don't overspeed. Okay? <laughs> please don't overspeed. Right? And I remember this because I think it's hilarious. This whole sign is based on the assumption that people are going to speed. So just simply don't overspeed. Right? <laughs> 
I think it's kind of actually like the, world, the view that our world all too often takes of sin, right? In other words, sinning's okay. It's just the over-sinning that you should avoid. But this isn't the truth um, about sin that's revealed to us in the Bible. Not even close. You see, biblically, um, sin is simply a word that, word that means we've missed the mark. We've missed the mark that God has set for us. We've fallen short of that. In fact, Romans 3.23 says that. For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. Each and every one of us has sinned. Each and every one of us falls short of this standard of greatness that God intends for each and every one of us. So the gospel at its core is this call to turn from sin, which then means we turn ourselves towards the mark that God has set for us. You see, turning from sin isn't just a message for bad people. It's not just for people who over-sin. It's for good people, too. It's for people who are moral people. But all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So Jesus says, you want to be great in your life? You have to turn from sin and be headed in the right direction. Set your life on a course to at least aim for the mark that God has established for you. If you want to experience that greatness, you need to turn from sin and turn towards God. You need to head in the right direction. Secondly, I believe Jesus uh, insinuates that you have to have the right attitude in life. He says, uh, after that, he says, and become like little children. Unless you do that, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. What did Jesus mean by this, that you must become like a little child, right? He say you should become self-oriented, unemployed, refuse to eat your vegetables, and take a nap every afternoon. <laughs> Don't you wish he said that? Yeah. yeah. But he doesn't, right? Now, I'm going to take some interpretive license here this morning, but um, I've been a father for four years, certainly no expert. I wonder if one of you would claim to be an expert. Um, but I'm going to share some things I've learned about kids in my four years of fatherhood that you might relate to, and I believe speak a little bit to how Jesus, the, types of the type of attitude Jesus calls us to. First of all, the um, thing I've observed about kids is kids are needy. They are really needy. Right? Christine and I feel like we have not stopped wiping, cleaning, feeding, bathing, wiping, entertaining. Did I say wiping? <laughs> Our kids, right? Children are needy little things. But the thing is, is that they know it. And when they need something to be fixed, when they need something to be soothed, when they need something to be explained, when they need to be comforted, they come to us. They have an attitude of dependence, which isn't a bad thing. And I think that in order to be great in faith means that we have to have an attitude of dependence towards God. That when we have need in life, we turn away from self-reliance and self-assurance, and we turn towards God who provides. Matthew 6, um, 25 to 30. Just listen to these verses, and then I'm moving on. Jesus says these words, That is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more important than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? The focus here is that are you not more valuable to God than they 
We need to have an attitude of dependence on God. Secondly, second thing about kids, they're trusting, okay? Even just this morning at home, my youngest, Keegan, is going to turn two next month. And and my oldest, Gabriel, just turned four. And, And Keegan might be half the age, but he tries to do twice the amount of stuff. I swear he does, right? Gabriel will go up onto the steps, uh, the the bottom couple of steps, and jump off onto the ground while Keegan's right there, you know, toes over the edge, and then he just says, Daddy! Because he's ready to go. And as long as I'm there, he's not only leaning, he's, he's gone. He's in the air because he trusts me, right? Gabriel, too, right? He'll ask me a question. I know, parents, I know you've been in this spot. Your kid asks you a question that you're like, how in the world am I going to answer that? Like, how does a four-year-old ask that? So then you spend the next few minutes bumbling through some form of explanation, figuring you've got to give an answer because, well, you should know that. Um, And at the end of that, you just say, oh, he's never going to buy that, right? But to your surprise, Gabriel says, okay, can I have a snack? (laughs) Right? They trust us, right? Kids have an attitude of trust. And I think that in order to be great in life, in order to be great in faith, we need to have an attitude of trust to God. That when life throws us a curveball, again, we turn away from that self-reliance and we turn and we trust in God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Last thing uh, I'll share this morning about what I've learned from kids is that they're full of wonder, right? You know at Christmas when you get your kid that expensive gift, and they do love the expensive gift, but they're just as excited for the box? Because, hey, it's a box, right? Who doesn't want a box? Disclaimer alert here, right? Often a kid's wonder doesn't last that long. You maybe have experienced that. But nonetheless, they do experience wonder quickly and easily because they see it quickly and easily, right? Biggest example here to me is those Kinder Surprise eggs. You know those things? Kids love those things. The chocolate is gross chocolate. The toy is is inexpensive and unappealing as an M3 margarine container. But they want it every time. the, The Kinder... It's, it's a little egg of wonder for these kids, right? <laughs> or when spring comes, it will come. Spring comes, puddles, right? Dead worms in the puddles. Hours, hours kids can do. Like, they, they love that stuff. When did we, as adults, lose our sense of wonder for simple things, right? Kids are full of wonder, and I think in order to be great in faith, we need to have an attitude of wonder, that we don't miss the glory of God that surrounds us each and every day in the small things and in the big things. Psalm 8, verses 3 to 4. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you have set into place, what are mortals that you should think of us? Mere humans that you should care for us. We need to have the right attitude in life to be great. I think that's what Jesus is getting at, at least to some degree. We need to be heading in the right direction. And lastly, um, we need to have the right understanding, okay? Um, Verse 4, so anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. 
humility. Humility comes with the right understanding of what truly makes us great. It isn't our accomplishments at the end of the day. It isn't our bank accounts. It isn't our appearance. It isn't our social status. Our greatness, the Bible tells us, comes just simply from being a child of God. And if you have that right understanding, you can experience greatness in your life. But if you don't have that understanding, all of your moments of greatness are going to be essentially rooted in arrogance, and they will essentially be only temporary moments of greatness. But once you embrace that understanding that you are a child of God and that God has set a mark for you and you turn yourself in that direction and you have the right attitude and the right understanding, I think that's what Jesus is getting at. Then you're on the path to greatness as God intends. You know, today we're gathered to celebrate and encourage families who are dedicating themselves and their children to God. They're saying, in effect, that they want their children to experience a greatness in life that will last right? They're saying that they want their kids at some point in their life to turn, their, turn away from sin and to head in the right direction. And that they as parents and as family and as friends and as a faith community want to be an example of people who have the right attitude, people who have the right understanding of what it takes to be truly great in life, to have a greatness that will last. What a great thing to dedicate ourselves to this morning. It really is a celebration, but it's also serious business this morning, okay? You maybe thought I was going to skip over it, but these last verses, okay? Jesus, Jesus turns, right? This innocent child, this whatever, he turns and he says, anyone who welcomes a child like this on my behalf is welcoming me, but if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone to ride around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Where did that come from? Right? What, what, I think Jesus is saying here, this is serious business. This is serious business. And I think that's why Jesus does not say to his disciples, the question of greatness is not important. Because it is an important question. Because God made us greatness. You want biblical example of that? Read Genesis 1 and 2, okay? God created us, humanity, for greatness. He made us in our image so we could experience greatness of life. John 10, 10, that we could have life and have it to the full, that we could have a great life. And Jesus is serious about empowering and enabling people to experience a greatness that will last. It's the whole reason Jesus had to come to earth to deal with that sin problem, right? It's why in a couple of weeks we're going to celebrate Easter. And we're going to remember that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But three days later, he rose again so that we too can have newness of life. That we could be on the right path. That that's even a possibility that we could turn from our sin and move in the direction that God has intended for us. Jesus is serious about greatness for you. He's serious about greatness for me. And he's serious about greatness for our kids. The question for us to think about today as we participate in this dedication is this. Is my life, is our life, keeping people from believing in God? Or do our lives lead people 
to know God in a life-saving relationship and experience a greatness that will last? Do our lives create an appetite in people to have a greatness that lasts, so much so that they'll turn from sin and turn toward God and move in that direction? Um, I'm just going to take a moment now to pray, and we're going to move into the the dedication portion of the service. Um, So parents, this is the moment. If your kids have gone downstairs, but you need to get them for the the dedication, this is the time you'll head head out. I'll pray. Uh, The worship team's going to come back. We're going to sing a song, um, and then there's going to be a short uh, video kind of introducing us to these families and these precious kids, Um, and then Pastor John will take over with the rest of the dedication, okay? So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, um, thank you. Thank you that you desire the best for us, that your intentions for us are always good. In fact, they're always great. That you just so desperately want us to experience the greatness that you have made us for, that, that you let nothing stand in your way. You even sent your own son, Jesus Christ, to this earth so that all barriers all things that keep us from you could be destroyed, could be leveled, and that the pathway to greatness would be open once again, that we as humble, mortal human beings could experience a greatness that you've created us for. And we thank you for our children. We thank you for our kids. Pray that we would remember every single day how impressionable they are, how much they are looking to us, And we pray that as they look at us, that we would encourage them in turn to look at you. Because we can only offer them a certain level of greatness, but you can offer them true greatness, a greatness that will last. We pray our blessings upon these families and these kids and upon us as a church family as well. We love you, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as a, as, a, as a pastor and as a church, um, I, I, can't, I can't tell you how, how moving it is to be part of significant moments in people's lives where, where they're, they're making decisions as families that are going to impact them for years to come. And, and thank you very much, Matt, for what you said. I, th- I think it was very powerful to, to say that this is a day of greatness for these families, what they're committing to, to do today. Because, um, you know, as families, you know, we reproduce what we model, right? And if we model a household of faith, a love for God, um, greatness just comes because of what we're able to do because of that. So it's a great privilege to be here this morning with you and to introduce these families who are going to be dedicating. I just want to explain a little bit about what's going to happen from here on in. I'm going to, I'm going to invite those individuals to come up. But I want to, for the rest of you who are not participating up here, what I do want to remind you about is at the back table, we have gifts for all the families, all the, all the children who are being dedicated today. But we have congregational cards for you to sign. Um, you know, just to be able to say, we've been here today, we're going to be praying for you today, 
We're going to be celebrating with you today. So uh, please, at the very end of the service, make sure that you go there and you sign those cards and just give your affirmation and, and confirmation to these families this morning for a, a very exciting time. We're going to invite those families to come up here. We're going to read a dedication and a prayer, and then we're going to ask the congregation to stand, and you're going to read a dedication and a prayer because we believe this is a two-way relationship that we're not just you know, setting these people out on a desert island, that they're part of a community, they're part of a family, that we're going to be praying for them and encouraging them and, and walking alongside them as they dedicate themselves and their children to the Lord. Okay? So I'd like to invite the Curtis family, the Weber family, the Castillos, the Wrights, the Quiroga Castillos, and the Rees Pontes to come up, please. That's six families, nine children. Wow. Yeah, come on. Yeah, we're going to all go try and crowd up on the stage here. Is that okay? Yeah. Are we going to have the room? Okay. Come on up. You know, I feel, I feel compelled to say something, and, and you guys can be angry with me if I say that, but I think we need a building program. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry, cheap shot. Right, I know. Okay, well, wow. Let me, let me start here. The Quiroga Castillo family, Jonathan, Marta, Sophia, and we are dedicating... Natalia, just born February 28th. Wow, wow. She is beautiful, beautiful. Then we have Gary, Fiona. Is Gracie up here? Gracie's back, okay. Gracie's back there, and Maisie. And Maisie, we're dedicating you today. You are beautiful. You gonna, you gonna make it? Yeah, wow, yeah. She wants to sing into the mic, I can tell, right? And who do we have here, eh? Davi and Bruna and Nathan. Hi, Nathan. How are you? Bruno. Ah. <laughs> and Noah. Noah is being dedicated today. Hi, Noah. How are you? Everybody's got bright red cheeks today. And then we have Jared and Amanda and Hannah and Hunter. Hunter is being dedicated today. Looking good. And the Weber family. Hi, good, good. Kent and Carolyn, Victoria, Byron, William, and Kingsley. All four are being dedicated today. Nice to have you guys here. Up. Nice to be up on this part of the stage, right? Yeah, cool. And Lillian, Daniel, and Vasti, and Marco. Wow, I love your outfit. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, spring is coming, right? Yeah, St. Patrick's. Oh, I forgot it was St. Patrick's Day today. Oh, yeah. Well, that pales in comparison to what's happening right here. All right? It was, yeah, he was, he was a good saint. <laughs> okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand out a copy of the dedication just so you have something to read. My hands aren't working the best yet. If you want to just take a copy and then pass them down. 
at the very top, and we'll, and we'll put it up on the screen as well, but I'm going to ask the families to repeat with me the dedication, the parental vows of commitment that they're going to make as parents to the children. And I'd like you to read along with me. We recognize that God has given our ch children and has called us to love, nurture, and discipline them in accordance with his word. We acknowledge our need to provide a secure atmosphere in which love, forgiveness, and godliness are present. We affirm our primary responsibility to teach our children the Bible by instructing them in its meaning and by demonstrating its life-changing power. There is a prayer now that we'd like to ask you to recite along with me again, the parental prayer. Lord, in our parenting, help us to follow your will. Guard us against the extremes of both destructive criticism and unrealistic expectations of our children. Give us wisdom, strength, love, and godliness as we seek to lead guide and advise our children. Now, I would like to ask the congregation to stand. We are going to have a, a, a dedication vow of the congregation back to these families, affirming that they are part of a community. They're going to continue to love and care for them. And I'd like you to repeat all together after me. We acknowledge the children of the church to be an integral part of the congregation and therefore important to our congregational life. We declare our desire to be godly community, modeling for our children what it means to know Christ personally. We affirm it to be our privilege and responsibility to care for and encourage the spiritual development of these children. There's now a congregational prayer that I'd ask you to recite as well. Lord our God, we thank you for these children and for the one we learn observing and caring for them. Help us to respect their personhood and yet correct them when needed, demonstrating to them your own watchful care over us. May we model Christ for them and encourage their faith. Help them to see in our love for you and for them and for one another marks of the true community of Christ in which we pray. Amen. I'm now going to uh, pray a prayer of benediction to thank each and every one of you for being here and remember to uh, take a moment to, to greet these, uh, these families and to just uh, thank them for the dedication, remember them in prayer, and to also, don't forget to sign those sheets uh, today uh, for them. Um, I want to thank each and every one of you for making this public declaration of something that's very important in your lives. And I want to just remind you that as a community, we're going to be praying for you. We're going to hold you to what you are promising today, and uh, very excited. You know, um, as, 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 a, as a pastor... And, and I'm sure as a, as, as a parent, you're hoping that what, what you teach on a regular basis, on, on, on what you're modeling on a regular basis, is something that, that, that people take with them and live their lives in, in, in full revelation of. And it's exciting for me to see so many people up here today 
saying that we want our faith to be real, to be expressed each and every day in our lives and in the lives of our children, that it's not something that we just hold on a Sunday, but it's something that we hold all through the week, all through the months and the years of our lives. And I think this is a very exciting moment, you know, um, that we could be part of this today and share in this today. So allow me to close the service in a prayer of benediction and thank you all for being here and, and what a way to celebrate what God is doing in the life of our church. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word does hold power, that your spirit does touch lives, and that today we are reminded again that faith is real that you are working in the lives of our families who recognize their responsibility to teach and lead their children in the ways of the Lord so that they can experience the greatness that you have planned for each and every one of them. Lord, we, we love our children. We love for them to grow into the people we long them to be, but even more, the people that you long them to be. Help these parents, help us, Lord, to be molders and shapers of them, to fully realize their potential as you intend it to be. And thank you that this day can mark a public declaration of our desire to do so. Lord, thank you for the way that you're working in this community and in this church, in the hearts and lives of these people. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to touch our hearts and touch our lives in meaningful and real ways. So, Lord, now, as we close the service, we bring you honor and glory. We know that you can do immeasurably more than we can ever hope or imagine. And we're entrusting you with that promise this morning. Again, for each of these families, we are thankful that they would do this publicly. And as we are moving into the Easter season, we thank you that we can be reminded of your great sacrifice for us so that our lives could be transformed and renewed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we thank you in his name this morning. Amen. Thank you, everyone. God bless you, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. Thanks, everyone.